Hi, this is What You Say in English, Season 3, Episode 8. Welcome to another episode of What You Say in English, the podcast in which I listen to you and give you my professional feedback. Today I have news. I was battling deciding what to call this news, if it's good news or bad news. But the thing is that we have new information about Cambridge exams. And I'm not really sure how to put it. The thing is that there are a lot of big changes. I think that the pandemic has made the people from Cambridge think about the possibilities and probably advance a little bit on their agenda to digitize everything in Cambridge assessments. And I'm telling you this because I've heard and I've read news from different sources and I want to make this available to you. Of course, I will go little by little, part by part to make everything explicit. Of course, I don't want to create any confusion because this is important news. They're going to eliminate stuff. They're going to add a lot of stuff. There are a few things that they're testing and they will probably implement some way, some part as of next year, 2023. And other big changes will happen after 2023 is gone and we start 2024. So th this is kind of a long run. And I think that... Probably they will introduce some changes that I've spoken about before, but of course that will take a little more time because the revision of exams usually takes a long process. They have to trial things, they have to test how candidates react, and I know that it takes some time. And But the, the, there are a few things for sure that are happening, as at least in the first part of 2023, beginning next year. But before we get started, I would like to call out one of our listeners. His name is Jorge Vega Sanchez. And he recently passed. Well, he got the results from the C2 proficiency exam. He got a wonderful pass B. He's very happy. He's a lawyer listener. And we keep in contact on LinkedIn. Jorge, you have shown that you have the capacity to become a role model for other people out there who are preparing for the Cambridge exams. And remember that this is a never-ending road. And if you didn't know, for example, that CEFR, the CEFR, the Common European Framework for Languages, they only stipulate six levels of English proficiency going from A1, A2, B1, B2, C1, and C2. But there's research. I will probably do an episode about that. But there are another two levels that are not in the CEFR, in the CEFR, which is the D1 and the D2. There is some evidence, there, there is some research about this, and I will probably do an episode about this in the future. And it's basically academic English. It's the English that you will use at very highly professional environments. So the C2 road is not the end of it. So if you're preparing and if you got the C2, remember that there's a higher, there are two more levels to it. So if you want to get a D1 and D2, probably it's because you've done some graduate studies and you've written theses or dissertations for PhDs or doctorate degrees or, or you've published material in academic English. 
but unfortunately there is no way to certify those levels because we haven't created exams for that level. I think that eventually, as the world is progressing, we are creating more and more examinations, more standardized ways in which we can measure how much English a person knows. But I don't see it as a possible thing in the foreseeable future. Maybe in the future, but, you know, once you have published stuff, once you have written academic articles and things like that, I mean, of course, you've proven that you're a highly proficient speaker and user of English. And of course, you may be wondering how in the world I can get to that level. Basically, you have to continue doing a lot of reading and a lot of speaking and a lot of writing. There is no other way. And of course, you have to step up your game and really try hard with very highly advanced material. So once again, Jorge, congratulations on your success story and I'm offering my invitation so you can speak in my podcast and let the world know what you can do, what you can say in English. So starting with the big news from Cambridge Assessment English is that they're going over a rebranding. They're redesigning, of course, it doesn't only have to do with the logo or the colors, the, the, the corporative image that the company has, well, the organization in this case that they have, but it, it is a whole rebranding of the whole concept of qualifications. It is true that lately, there's been a lot of boom when it comes to standardized testing. We have newcomers. We have the British Council created the APTIS, which is a, a adaptive test. If you don't know what, a, what an adaptive test is, it means that the difficulty of the exam will adapt to all the answers that you're providing. So you will never know exactly. And what the same candidate taking the exam next to you in another computer because it's computer-based, this is not paper-based, the exam will have different questions for you depending on how you answer. Remember that this is a multi-level exam. It means that it goes from low levels to C1. I don't think... Uh, last thing I heard about the APTIS exam is that it, they don't certify a C2 level of English. And in this case, for example, there's been, as I said, there's been a lot of boom when it comes to computer-based exams and new technologies have been introduced. This new adaptive system of testing has created a lot of commotion. It's a game changer for a lot of examination boards, such as in this case, Cambridge exams. The IELTS exam, they have the classic IELTS exam in which you can take the academic or the general training. They also introduced IELTS from home during the pandemic. Of course, it was a simple way, not really reliable way, because there's the possibility that students can cheat. They can probably not play fair when it comes to answering the questions, but they introduced a very quick way to reference a level. And of course, it's it doesn't have the full validity of 
the official IELTS exam, but they introduced new changes and the exam is also adapting to the new trends in all the new possibilities that the computer world can offer. We also have another exam, which is the Duolingo proficiency test. The, the Duolingo English proficiency test is the, the DET, I think the DEPT or something like that. I'm not really sure. I have prepared a few students for this exam, and I have to say that I have mixed feelings about the exam. Of course, you take it fully from home. It has to be, your computer has to meet certain criteria in the first place so you can take the exam and the exam can be validated. I think that the in the case of du the Duolingo test, you have to, and this is very important, you have to certify, you have to make sure that you have nothing around you, that you're looking at the screen, you cannot wear headphones or anything like that. They have, in the official website, they have a lot of indications and, and how to prepare your room in case you're taking the exam. And of course, they have these regulations if they can detect, for example, that you have cheated or you have not followed the, the indications that they provide in their website, they will not provide you with a result. Of course, they will give you a special kind of token or credit that you can use for a future exam. And I think they will continue to do so until you get it right. Of course, they have very strict policies. Of course, there's a possibility to cheat. If you're doing it from home, you can get help from other people. There are multiple ways in which you can probably provide. Another person can probably take the exam for you. And these are high stakes exams. When I say high stakes, it means that your entry to university will depend on it or your immigration process will depend on it or a promotion at work will depend on it. There are high stakes and in, in those cases, of course, people can do a lot of shady stuff when it comes to exam taking. So this is a new world. This is a new possibility. And of course, the pandemic has accelerated these things. Now, for example, we don't have to go to a, an exam center to take the exam. You can take it from home. But of course, there are security things, you know, security measures that exam boards need to consider first. So I think... Part of the philosophy that Cambridge Assessment is taking this year and the coming year, which is the 2023 next year, they're trying to adapt to new changes, to new technologies. Also, they want to, and, and this is understandable, they want to reduce their carbon footprint. Ever since Brexit happened, there's been a lot of changes in the, in the UK government in general, and of course, Cambridge has been affected as well. They produce, they print and produce all the material, all the exam papers, all the booklets for speaking examinations in the UK, and they are distributed around the world to all the exam centers around the world by post, regular post. It, they send it through airmail, and then it gets to the country, gets the, to the exam center, and those materials are usually changed every six months. When it comes to speaking tests, they are usually changed every six months, and of course, that takes money and time, and it's becoming increasingly more difficult. The taxes, export taxes, and import taxes in the UK 
have increased. Of course, now they don't belong to the European Union. You know the whole thing about the Brexit. So that has made it a little more expensive for Cambridge to really sustain this, let's say, this model of business. So they are trying to go digital in many different aspects. So this whole rebranding is a lot of effort. It's a, and it says a lot about Cambridge because I think trying to adapt to new times and trying to adapt to new technologies, I think it's wonderful for them because otherwise they will become obsolete. They will lose their validity. They will lose their credibility as an examination board. And we all know that Cambridge is basically the grandfather of examinations. They started with a proficiency exam back in the, the I think it was the end of the 19th century, the beginning of the 20th century, of course. And this is a fun fact. When they started, when they did the first proficiency exam, only th- I think only three people took the exam and none of them passed. This is very funny because I think I read somewhere that only three people. And during those times, the method of teaching was the grammar translation. And of course, they had to translate and back translate classics from Greek or Latin into English and, you know, vice versa. And of course, it was impossible. The three people who took the exam, none of them passed. And going back to the initial idea of rebranding, it's basically because they want to adapt to the new demands in this new world. And of course, at the same time, they want to meet the Ofqual obligations they have. Ofqual is the organization that regulates all examinations and basically they they say for example which examination is valid or not in the UK and Ireland in general and of course it's a big that they're the big boss they regulate everything that has to do with exams and qualifications and of course everything will be repurposed of course they will go digital they will uh, change for example the way the exams are delivered they will change the way I and mean, of course these this is a lot of things of course they will be introduced little by little and they will probably begin by repurposing all the materials so the visuals let's talk about the visuals in for example when you take the exam the speaking if you've watched the videos on the cambridge youtube channel you will see that exams uh, t- candidates are given a booklet with pictures printed so they can do the picture task and they also they're given a kind of collaborative task these are the visuals so the visuals will probably change completely students candidates will probably have access to tablets or there will be a screen projecting the material so nothing will be printed and also it's easier because when you have models of exams examiners will only have access to a certain number of exam types if everything goes digital they will access a platform online and and the exams can constantly be changed and you will never have to do the same exam and this is another security issue because when examiners they do the speaking test the examiners usually change the the material they have to anyway but they change the material so that the people leaving the exam room they don't of course once they leave the center they're they're free to tell everybody like oh the questions that i got were this and this and they asked me about this in the picture i had to describe this and blah 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 but of course this will make sure that the material is never reused they will have a, a greater let's say 
source of materials to choose from. Examiners will have a, a greater source of materials to choose from. The, the, thing, the way the things are currently being handled is that exam centers usually have this number of exams, speaking exams, that are used and recycled and then changed every six months. So in this case, I will... I guess that examiners will have a, a, a wider range of possibilities to create or mm, combine different exams. And of course, the system will be in charge of organizing everything so examiners will not have to worry about arranging stuff and making sure that the exam is carried out according to the regulations by Cambridge. And I'm not sure if people will stop receiving paper certificates that you get when you pass the exam, you get a certificate, a beautiful diploma in the case of the Cambridge exams. And these exams have like security measures, like they have the logo imprinted. So if you put it, for example, through light, you can see the the logo, the Cambridge logo in the middle. And they also have, they're printed on special paper to prevent from any fakes. And they also have, as usual, because you, hold, you also have a, a number in the certification so that stakeholders like universities can check that you have you have done this exam and you passed and you got x result and of course the internal system in cambridge the way they handle marks and everything of course that will be of that it doesn't really affect the candidate per se but there will be a lot of internal changes in the cambridge exams that the candidates will not see they will never have to know about that but making everything more efficient if you still take the paper exam you will probably get the results sooner because now nowadays when you take the exam paper-based you have to wait i think between two and three months until you get the result this is the reason why probably in many different countries the the computer-based exam has become more popular there are a lot of advantages to take in the computer-based exam because it's not only that you get the results on two weeks after you take the exam but you also have other advantages as well like in the paper in the writing exam you can edit the work and things like that of course the paper if you still take a paper exam i think the internal changes that are will be occurring in cambridge in the cambridge assessment organization will be you know looking for the benefit of the candidate like trying to get for example the the exams sooner because it does take a long time like when you take the any of the qualifications by cambridge whoa you have to wait for i don't know about two or three months i have no idea but i think you have to wait all that time to get the results at least to get this statement of results which is the first thing you get which is a pdf that you can check online but then when the physical certificate arrives at the exam center or the school where you took the exam then of course that's sometimes so i think that they're just trying to reduce the window the time window in which the exams are taken and the results are given to candidates another part of this rebranding that cambridge will take during the end of this year and the beginning of next year is the remote speaking and there's been quite some talk among the people that i work with and the people that have a little more contact with cambridge exams and the, the idea of remote speaking is that it will take place fully remote. When I say this is that examiners and candidates will all be in different locations. 
The face-to-face -face exams will still be an option, so you can still take the exam at the exam center, but there will be the added bonus that depending on the situation, I'm not really sure under what circumstances this can happen, this can take place. I have, I don't have enough information about this. I only know that they've been trialing, which I, by the way, I don't even know under what circumstances they've been trialing the remote speaking, but they've been trying to brush it up to make it available. The idea for this was to launch it probably the first half of 2023, next year. But they've been trialing the remote speaking for some time. They've been using tools like Zoom or Microsoft Teams. Oh God, I really hope that it's not Microsoft Teams. I've been using it lately and it's... I'm not really sure if I'm not using it to the full potential. In my case, it's been a really a messy uh, system to deliver my online classes. But honestly, I don't recommend it. But if they're using Zoom, um, probably they will try to get an agreement with Zoom, the company that makes Zoom, and maybe create like a special client for Cambridge exams with added bonus and added security features like a proctoring system, something that ensures the quality and the reliability of the exam. And of course, the remote speaking will probably be available with a whole range of Cambridge qualifications from the A2 key for schools to the C2 proficiency exam. As I said, it will probably come out I'm not really sure in which centers I think it will be available to some centers and then little by little they will introduce it to the rest of the centers around the world. I'm not really sure about this, but what I do know is that they're testing remote speaking. Why? It's I think it's understandable. It's only logical that during the year 2022 and after the pandemic, of course, and all the reasons that I have stated before, since the beginning of this episode, it's basically to reduce cost for centers and examiner travel. Examiners have to travel to the locations, not only the exam center, but sometimes they carry out exams at schools when they have to do A2 key for schools or B1 for schools or B2 for schools. They have to travel to the school itself. And of course, that's money. It's little, but it is money. And hiring venues sometimes... I know that the British Council in Madrid has rented like spaces, like big spaces, whenever they have, let's say, a call for exams. I remember one in 2013. That was a long time ago, of course. But I remember that they did that exam in a hotel in the outskirts of Madrid, just very near the airport. And they used to rent the, those places. And, you know, that doesn't come by very cheap. Of course, that's added extra money that it's not paid by Cambridge, by the way, it's paid by the exam center. So they have to arrange for these things and they have to pay for it. Another thing that you probably don't know is that examiners are paid by the exam center. They're not paid by Cambridge. They represent Cambridge, but they don't work directly for Cambridge. Sometimes, depending on the, the level, I mean, if you work in the UK, I think all the UK examiners, either speaking examiners or writing examiners, they are hired directly by Cambridge. But outside the UK, they're hired by the exam centers and they are just authorized by Cambridge Assessment. 
Another thing is that basically to improve the experience that candidates may have in the exam, taking the exam from the comfort of your home just make it makes it easier. You feel more relaxed and the environment can be a little bit intimidating. Even in, in my exam classes with students that you see almost every week, sometimes they get super nervous. So you can imagine how they will get when it comes to an exam a real exam situation. Of course, it, if you look at it from the availability of examiners, and this is for the uh, test center, the exam center, examiners will be more available. If you don't have to travel to the exam center, you can actually be holidaying, let's say, in the Canary Islands <laughs> or the beach, and then you can still carry out an exam. And of course, the whole digital system of the, the speaking packs will be easier to manage. I don't want to finish this segment without talking again about the whole digital system because they will try to build a technology and assessment that will be scalable, that will be automated, reflecting the new world, delivering a, a better experience for not only for centers, but also for candidates um, they're going to be using the latest technology available. Exam tasks will probably be automated as well because with new technologies for artificial intelligence, you only have to feed or train an artificial intelligence to really come up with very ingenious tasks. Now, Nowadays, you can actually have a computer write a whole article for you. If you haven't been able to play with those things that are countless multiple tools online that you can actually use to write articles and of course using that level of technology in exam preparation or exam making I think it's going to be a lot easier and I think it's very challenging and very I would say interesting and of course moving all those things moving everything to a new platform in which you can take the full potential of all these tools that exams will probably offering the, and they're offering now of course with the adaptive tests exams they've been able to offer a lot of multiple things that were not even possible let's say five years ago so this whole rebranding of cambridge i think it sounds very exciting i'm all for it i'm just waiting for to see what new changes that will probably introduce i know that i've, I've been speaking about the c2 exam and how they will probably include new tasks like the cross text multiple matching the exercise that we did last week in last week's episode and probably introducing it to the Cambridge. So I think it's going to be all together, uh, the whole thing. The, I know there are a lot of changes coming. So I think this is going to be a pretty exciting new era for Cambridge exams. And I'm very uh, happy to see that they can adapt to new times, to new changes, and probably accept a lot of things that <laughs> 10 years ago were unthinkable like the possibility of offering remote speaking that was uncalled for like that was unthinkable probably like five six seven years ago even before the pandemic i mean that was, that was something that i'm not really sure that they even considered but now it's been made possible Another thing that I've heard 
from the official newsletter. And if you're not subscribed to that official newsletter, I think you're wasting time. If you're a teacher and you're preparing students for any of the Cambridge exams, you should go to the supportcambridgeenglish.org website and create an account. It's for free. You can get a lot of information if you're a test taker and you're preparing yourself or if you're a teacher and you're preparing students, you have to be part of that official support website. They have just made available that in, in the area for sec text for Cambridge English exams, that from January 2024, Cambridge exams will be removing the optional set text questions for the B2 first for schools and the C2 proficiency writing papers. This is a shocker because they eliminated back when they did the revision of this, I think it was the C2, the C1 in 2015, they removed the set text for C1 and they kept them for only B2 for schools because they also removed it from the B2, the regular B2, and they kept it for the C2 because it was a very highly advanced task. And I don't know. I think I have mixed feelings about this because I think it's a great task. And I think it's making people do a lot of extended reading. If you remember back in, in this last season, I did an episode on the Cambridge set text and I offered reasons why the rationale for this, like the reason why Cambridge decided to keep the set text for the C2. And I think it's a great idea. But of course, you have to look at it as a way of adapting. It's nice that you're doing something that is beneficial, but I guess that we're moving towards new times and new changes. And yeah, I guess that one of these things that's removing the optional set texts. If you didn't know, and this is for everyone who didn't have any idea of this, in the C2 proficiency exams, apart from the three questions you have in part two of the writing, you have you have three tasks you also have two extra tasks that deal with set texts every two years they change the well they used to now because they're not going to do it anymore but every two years they change the texts they selected novels and those students were supposed to write the same type of texts of course they had to write essays letters reports and reviews and whatnot the different tasks that students have to write for the C2, but with a set text in mind. And of course, the recommendation was that the set text question in part two in these exams is was aimed at people that only that they that read or prepared for the exams. One of the recommendations that they always gave in their official website is that students preparing for this, they needed to step up their game and really try hard and not really try something that they haven't prepared because they will risk a bigger chance of really failing, getting a failing mark. And the reason for this is basically, apparently, very few people were trying to answer those questions. And more often than not, the question was not up to a certain standard required to get a passing score. I have to say that the people that I have prepared lately, because I do give feedback on C2 set text questions, I have prepared a number of questions that students can answer. If you're really looking into it, and if you want to go or have more possibilities in the part two of the writing text, you can contact me and I will guide you on how to prepare for that. 
the people I've prepared are really good. I would say that, of course, it's a minority of the people, but I would say that the people I'm preparing are really good. They have read the novels and they know what they're talking about. And I always try to give them high quality feedback. But apparently the great majority of the numbers speak for themselves. I think you can also check, uh, there's a website in which you can check the results by country. And this is all public information, by the way. I'm not giving any information that is strictly privy to certain people. No, this is all public information. You can actually check out of the results per country and, and you can see how well they do in the, the different exam levels. I'm not sure you can get into the detail of answering the questions, but which questions they have answered. But yeah, generally, apparently Cambridge get really low candidates, get really low marks when it comes to the set texts. The two texts, if you don't know, I can remind you, it's Northanger Abbey by Jane Austen and Us by David Nichols. I was actually uh, trying to get in contact with David Nichols' agent and see if I could. I, I, I wanted to keep it secret. and I'm not even sure if he will answer to my call, but I was actually thinking of getting David Nichols to speak in my podcast and talk about the novel. And I think it's going to be bittersweet in this case, because if I do get him to speak in my podcast and speak about the novel, he's going to be the very last person or novel because Jane Austen is long dead. I cannot get her unless if I believed in spiritualistic things in medium sessions, but no. Of course, David Nichols would be the last person to be showcased in the Cambridge exams, you know, in terms of the set text. I think this is sad, I would have to say, because I do think that David Nichols' novel, for example, of course, Jane Austen is a classic, but in the case of David Nichols, it's a great novel, it's a great story. And even if you don't read the novel and you watch the BBC miniseries, I think it's a great story. It's I've spoken about it, and if you haven't heard, if you haven't listened to that episode podcast in which I talk about the set texts, you can go back and check it out. I, I'm not really sure which one, but I've babbled quite a lot in the podcast. But yes, I, I like it very much. It's a great novel. It's a great read. And and if, even if you're not preparing for the Cambridge exams, I think you should give it a try. It's a great novel. But I think, again, this is something sad. I think they should keep it. In any case, it's optional. I understand that creating questions for that, you can only create a number of questions. You might probably have to repeat some ideas. I guess that for two years, having different questions, not repeating questions. And I don't know. I think it's I think it's something that you can just keep for the sake of keeping. I don't know. Anyway, it's I can understand the reasons why, but it's something that I really like. The other piece of information that I wanted to talk about has to do with the British Council. And this is for everyone who registers for their Cambridge exams with the British Council. I've read that the Cambridge exams will no longer be available to be taken at several British Council locations. I have checked out the official Spanish website and I know that as of next year, if I can recall correctly, it's I think it's starting from April 23rd, 2023. This is next year. So they still have January, February, March, and pretty much all the month of April until the 23rd. It means that the, after that date, they will no longer be offering any exam sessions for Cambridge English qualifications. Of course, that will include the whole suite of exams. It will include the young learners, the pre-A1 starters, 
A1 movers, A2 flyers, A2 key, B1 preliminary, B2 first, both like for schools and regular versions, and C1 advanced, C2 proficiency. And this is another shocker because all the teaching qualifications, for example, if you're thinking about taking the CELTA, the DELTA, or the TKT, I don't even know why the TKT still exists having the CELTA, will not be offered. And this is a shocker because the British Council has always been the beacon, the number one place to go when people thought about the Cambridge exams qualifications. But this is a shocker because where will they go? Fortunately, in Spain, they have created a network of exam preparation centers and the, uh, Cambridge so far, they have given a lot of support to those exam centers. And now, for example, all the people who used to register, I mean, like schools, like in Spain, a lot of schools, and this is this has become like a tradition in Spain every year in order to, let's say, keep the standard of English teaching in the country, students have to take a standardized examination. So the, the examination to go has always been Cambridge exams. And this is a shocker because uh, a lot of the schools that used to go with the British Council that now they have to find another exam center. Of course, this is going to be good for all the other exam centers. It's going to be a little bad for the examiners working for the British Council. They probably have a network of examiners and now they have to find someplace else where they can do examining as well. So it's, it's going to be it's going to be a little harsh for some people. But rest assured that at least in Spain, this is going to be taken care of and the transition will go as smoothly as possible. At least I've checked out Mexico's website, the official British Council in Mexico. I, I also checked in France and they say the same. They say that they will no longer be offering exam sessions for Cambridge qualifications. And I don't know what other countries they have done this. I have checked, for example, India, and apparently they still they will still be offering the Cambridge exam. So I don't know. I don't have the list of countries. If I can come up with a list of countries in which the British Council will no longer offer exams, I will make it available in a future episode. I will try to make sure which countries are affected by this. But rest assured, you always, and, and if you want to find, for example, an exam center, you can always go to the official website, the Cambridge official website, and check out the exam center that is nearest to your location. And I think this is all going in the same direction as the changes that I've been speaking. If Cambridge will go with the remote testing, you will not have to go to an exam center for this. I think everything is falling into place in a way. I can probably see where everything is going, but definitely this is a shocker. I know that some of you, if you're registered already to take the exam this year or the beginning of next year with the British Council, rest assured, you will have the exam with the British Council wherever you are in the world. But if you want to register for another exam, after April 23rd, definitely you have to find a center. In the, the official website, they have the link where you can find an exam center. They also offer an email where you can get in touch and, and check out. I, I guess I can also understand because 
the British Council is one of the owners of the IELTS exam, and they will still be offering the IELTS exam in their facilities, in their venues, the academies, the schools where they, they're open. And they also have their own exam. They also have the APTIS, which is their own English language test. Of course, they don't, as I said, I they don't check, they don't certify C2 levels. They will probably include it and adapt the exam to go that far. But this is what it is, and I, I don't know how that will affect you as all the listeners of my podcast around the world. But just so you know that I told you that the British Council will stop offering sessions for the Cambridge exams. And as the proverb in Texas goes, when the tree's fallen, everyone goes to it with their hatchet. Meaning that once the British Council stops offering exams, other exam centers will take advantage of that. And of course, they will start offering more exams than before. If that will affect you or in you were thinking about taking the exam in a British Council near your area, near the area where you live, you have to check out other exam centers where you can take the exam. So this was everything for today's episode. And I forgot to tell you that I have a new TikTok account. I've only posted two videos and one of them is basically about writing skills, writing tips. So stay tuned. I will put all the information in the description of today's episode, the link so you can follow me also on TikTok. It's fun. I think that honestly, I didn't see the reason why I wanted to open a TikTok account. And basically it was my students uh, at the academy where I worked that convinced me to open one. But, you know, I'm still getting the hang of it. So uh, have a little patience with me. Okay. So I will try to post fun videos and not only about Cambridge exams, but also about other stuff that I find useful and funny. So remember that I am also open to receiving your recordings if you want to get my feedback and if you want to have a mock exam, a mock speaking exam, whether it is for IELTS exam or Cambridge exams, I'm also open to that. And it would have to be for next year because I'm basically, I'm finishing the podcast. The last episode will come out next week and then I will take a break, you know, Christmas break. I have to take a break, guys. I cannot be always, you know, recording stuff. But, you know, I will try to keep you updated with a TikTok account. I mean, it's short video, so I don't have to do a lot. So thank you very much for joining me this week. And until next week and the last week of the year, bye bye. Bye. <laughs>